Today our scripture reading is from Matthew 14, 1 through 12. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oath and his guest, he commanded it to be given. He sent, he sent and had John beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. And she brought it to her mother, and his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, we're so thankful for your word and God the chance to explore it. We pray that you'd be with us today and help us to gain insight into what you want us to do to serve you. And God, we thank you so much for Eastwood Baptist Church and we're thankful for our pastor Jeremy and God, we pray that you bless him while he's away on this vacation and that you guide us this morning. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. And we look forward to opening your word and seeing what we have to study today. In your name we pray, amen. I had Ken read Matthew 14 because I wanted you to know, I wanted you to know the background to what we're looking at today. And we're actually looking at Matthew 11, but that passage about John the Baptist and all that happened with that story is a background for what we're looking at today. But we're looking at John the Baptist in Matthew 11. And so if you'd look at that with me, that would be great. The title of the sermon today is Caught Between, a, Caught Between Prison and a Platter. I've been reading a lot of new stuff here recently, and, and uh, it's just been fun to dive into the Word and, and look at different things and see what's going on. But, you know, have you ever been there? And when I say caught between prison and a platter, this story with John the Baptist, that's exactly what, he, what we're looking at. He is in prison, and it's before they take his head and put it on a platter. And, you know, that's, that's a tough situation. And so you might be thinking this morning, what is he going to do with this? I mean, is he going to talk about us losing our heads this morning? Uh, not exactly. Not exactly. Well, we should all be ready to give our life for Jesus, certainly. But that's not what we're talking about this morning. But when we look at the life of someone who is in a very difficult situation and they're honoring God through what they're doing. And it's, it's an important look. In Matthew 11, uh, John asked, uh, John the Baptist asked a question. And that's the question I want to deal with this morning. And he says, are you the one to come or should we look for somebody else? He says that in uh, Matthew 11, 3. And Actually, when we began looking at that, it says, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples. And he said to him, are you the one to come, 
or should we look for, for another? I'm sure like me, and you look at this and you think, man, that's a pretty bold question. You know, if I was sitting with Jesus, I'm not sure I would ask him, are you the one to come, or should I look for somebody else? But John the Baptist did, and I think there's reasons for that, and we're going to look at that this morning. And if you uh, ask me who my favorite Bible character is, it'd probably depend on what month it is, but this month, uh, my favorite is John the Baptist, and there's several reasons I like him. I mean, it's, it's, isn't it hard to pick out a favorite Bible character? Uh, John the Baptist is, is probably mine, and there's, and there's several reasons for that. You know, when we look at John the Baptist, he was quite a character. Uh, and we begin with John the Baptist when uh, his mother Elizabeth was pregnant, and Mary was pregnant, and Mary comes to the, into the room. He's not even born yet, and he's leaping with joy that Jesus is there. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Before he was born, he was, he was worshiping the Lord. And, that, and that's certainly a great thing about John the Baptist. Another thing I like about John the Baptist, he was a straight shooter. I mean, he, he said it. I mean, in this story that Ken read this morning, uh, even dealing with the Rodian family saying that was unlawful to marry her is a pretty bold thing. And we'll look at that one in just a minute. But uh, he, he said to the scribes and Pharisees, he called them, you brood of vipers. He didn't step back. And, you know, I tell you, I don't have to agree with somebody. I just like anybody that says what they believe. Weak, need, weak, stomach, mamsy, pamsy. I just don't do well with. So I, I really enjoy people who say what they're thinking. And John the Baptist was like that. Another thing I like about John the Baptist is he preached in the wilderness. And, and what I get from that is he didn't have to have the big stage. He didn't have to be in Rome. He didn't have to be in a big coliseum. He preached in the wilderness, and people came to hear him. And so I like that about him. Another thing I like about John the Baptist is his message was clear. He talked about uh, the winnowing fork in his hand and the threshing floor and gathering the wheat and separating the chaff, actually burning the chaff. And we know the wheat was the people who were following Jesus, and the chaff was the one that weren't. Or the, so we, he had a very clear message that he spoke. Another thing I like about John the Baptist is his clothing and food. In Matthew 3, 4, it says he wore a garment of camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. I like John the Baptist. I told my wife this morning, I said to my wife, I, I may be wrong about this, so I'm going to fully admit that before I say it, but if John the Baptist was here today, I think he would be wearing mossy oak camo and eating deer jerky. My kind of guy. You know, he, he is just, he's just what he is. And, and I like John the Baptist. And this is probably the, uh, one of my favorite things about John the Baptist. He understood his relationship with Jesus. He understood it. In Matthew 3.11 it says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so as we look at John the Baptist, and we just and there's a lot more in Scripture about John the Baptist, but as we just look at those things, you can see that John the Baptist knew who Jesus was. He knew what his relationship was to him. He understood himself. And John the Baptist was the, 
the proclaimer of the one to come. And so even before he was born, leaping with joy. And so I have a lot of admiration for John the Baptist. He was just a, he was just a neat biblical character. I mean, somebody we can really look at. So I, I love looking at him. And so I think that's one of the things we have to do is look at who the John the Baptist was when we look at this question, are you the one to come or should we look for another? I love the question and I haven't always understood it, but I think I've got a better grasp on it now than I ever have. So another thing we have to look at because John the Baptist told Herod Antipas that what he was doing was unlawful. And when you look at the Herod family, the Herodian family, it's a pretty big move to tell them anything, much less what they're doing is unlawful. That was a big, bold step. And so let's look at the Herodian, Herodian family. And I'm telling you, uh, they put the function in dysfunction. I mean, they were, they were really a dysfunctional family. I mean, uh, let's look at a few things. Uh, Herod the Great was Antipas and Philip's father and he had at least eight wives and 14 children that's not so bad in and of itself when we, I mean at least compared to the rest of it but two of his children Aristobulus and Alexander he put to death he actually put ropes around their necks and choked them to death the interesting thing about Aristobulus he was the father of Herodias the person we just read about in Matthew 14 he, he was her father. And so when her father died, Herod the Great gave his Aristobulus' daughter to Herod Philip. And so that made, if you're tracking this, and if it's not, it's okay. Just know that this is really a dysfunctional family. But we got brothers here, Aristobulus, Alexander, Herod Antipas, Herod Philip, kind of in our story today. And so that made... Herodias, Herod Philip's wife at the time, and also his niece. So it was uh, quite an interesting thing. So Herod Antipas actually married Herodias later, and that's the reason Herod Philip is mentioned in Matthew 14, but he actually married his niece's sister-in-law. His niece's sister-in-law actually became his wife. And so you can see this is quite the convoluted thing and so when John the Baptist told him this was unlawful, he, it really upset Herodias and Herod Antipas, and they put him in prison over it. So when he, when he made this claim, it wasn't like these things were unknown to him. He knew what this family, he knew of their power, and the whole family was really known for getting what they wanted. So what they wanted at this point was for John, to be in the, John the Baptist to be in prison for speaking out against them. So in the title, between prison and a platter, you can see in John 14, that's where exactly where he resided. You know, prison is where he was for speaking up, not speaking up for something that was wrong, but speaking up saying what was right, what was scriptural, and then ended up with his head on a platter. And so that's the reason I asked you the question earlier. Have you ever been there? You've done something right, and you've ended up in trouble. That's where John the Baptist is here, and it's a tough situation, but it's a real-life situation. I mean, it's a situation we will all face at some time, 
being right and speaking up and being in a position where you're really under fire. And so that's where John the Baptist was. And so as we look at this family, they were really very, very difficult. So Herod Antipas visited Herod Philip in Rome, and uh, Herod Philip had kind of moved far, as far away on the other side of Rome from his father as he could get, and you can understand why. I mean, he had already strangled two of his brothers, and so I'd, I would live somewhere else myself. Actually, George Burns said, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. <laughs> and so I guess that's the way Herod Philip felt. You know, I'm, gonna, I can't, I'm not going to leave Rome like my brother Herod Antipas did, but I'm going to get as far away as I can get, and I would say that was a wise move. But anyway, Herod Antipas and his wife left to go to Rome to visit Herod Philip. And on this trip, uh, Herod Antipas knew his niece. He'd known her his whole life. But when they got there, sparks flew. They had a connection. I don't know how you want to say this, but they, they gathered interest in each other and to the point where Herod Antipas divorced his wife, Basilus, and Herod Philip divorced Herodias, and the two became husband and wife. And so that's where the problem begins, and John the Baptist proclaiming this was an unlawful marriage, and so when he goes back, the people in Jerusalem are upset by it because it's not scriptural, it's not right, it was wrong, and so he goes back, and they're quite upset. Actually, the verse they were basing this on being wrong was Leviticus 18, 16, which says, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. So Herod Antipas had entered into territory that he didn't belong in, and the people were upset about it. So you can see John, it says he spoke up about this, and, and really most commentaries say he spoke up about it repeatedly letting Herod Antipas know that this was an unlawful union between the two of them, and both of them were upset by it. So what happens? John the Baptist goes to prison. And so you can see he is caught doing the right thing and ending up in a very bad place. The final piece I want to give you is, uh, I told you I've been, I've been reading a lot of uh, different genre I've read a lot of different people, Messianic Jewish people I've read a lot about recently. And, you know, Messianic Jewish people are people who believe in Jesus, believe that Jesus died on the cross, but they're still Jewish. And so I've been reading a lot of writings in there, and one of the things that is common among their writing that I've never heard of is something called a kesher, K-E-S-H-E-R, K-E-S-H-E-R, it's a kesher. And what a kesher is, is when you have a New Testament reference that's rooted in an Old Testament passage, that's a, that's a kesher, kesher. And you can say, well, that sounds a lot like a cross-reference. It is. A cross-reference is uh, something that gives us more information from the Old Testament about something in the New Testament. But kesher is, a, is just like really one step further. And so if we're, if we're using a kesher, we're saying something and using a portion of a passage 
and we're relating to an Old Testament passage, and if we're using for people in the New Testament who are doing this, when you use the Kesher, you know exactly what they're referring to in the Old Testament. So you're using a portion of the scripture, and you're communicating not in code, but in, in, in biblical thought. That's what you're communicating in. You're, you're communicating in biblical thought. And so in this passage that we're reading today, uh, John the Baptist asked this question, are you the one to come or should we look for somebody else? And it's, it's a Kesher. It's rooted in Old Testament passages. Uh, one of those is Malachi 3, 1 through 2. And it says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand against him when he appears? So you can see that John the Baptist understands the Old Testament. He understands these verses that speaks of the coming one. I mean, he was the proclaimer. And so he is speaking and saying, Jesus, I know who you are. I know what you're capable of. I just want you to do it. I'm ready for you to stand up and, and be all that you have proclaimed. Uh, another verse that he could have been referring to is Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So he's saying the king is coming. And so what John the Baptist says was, are you the coming one or should we look for another? And so what he is saying is, I know who you are. I know what you can do. I'm caught between a prison and a platter, and I need you to be who you said you're going to be. Uh, you know, we, we often speak in that kind of language myself. Let me illustrate for you. I want you to picture in your head a new car. You've just bought the car of your dreams. I don't care how much it costs, if you have the money or not. I want you to picture the car of your dreams, whatever it is. It can be a Land Rover, a Corvette, whatever you want, Lamborghini, whatever you want. But you get this car, and you've had it for a week. You've had it for a week. And your headlights, they only work on bright. You don't have a dim. Well, it's kind of upsetting you. Your bright light and everybody, everywhere you go, you're trying not to drive at night, and you've got the car of your dreams, and your bright light and everybody, and everybody's flashing their lights at you wherever you go, and it's not because you have a nice car. The brakes, they just, they just lock up every now and then and jerk you around in this new car that you've got. And it's, it's just not panning out to be what you want. And on top of that, it is the hottest week of the year, and the air conditioner doesn't work. And if I haven't made you disgruntled enough yet, your bumper, your front bumper has just fallen off, and you ran over it. So what would you do? Same thing I would do. You go into the dealership, you talk to the salesman who sold it to you, and you try to get some resolve. So you begin talking to the salesman. He says, I, there's, there's really not anything I can do. There's, there's, I can't really help you. So you're like, well, let me see the manager. And you happen to be friends with the manager. You go to lunch with him every now and then. So you know who he is. You know what he can do. But he begins to talk to you. He begins to talk to you. And 
we share, we share with him all the problems that you've had, and he goes, I don't, I don't really think I can help. So you go, are you the guy in charge here, or do I need to talk to somebody else? You ever said that? There's people here nodding their heads. You know, because we know that they're actually in charge. We just don't like the results that we're getting. We know who they are. And, and this is what, this is the, the passage that we have. This is what John the Baptist, you know, no analogy works perfect, so don't carry this too far. But John the Baptist is saying, I know who you are. I know exactly who you are. And I know exactly what you can do. Jesus, let me prompt you to get your ministry going because their evil seems to be winning. So he says, are you the one to come or do we need to look for somebody else? You have to have a pretty close relationship to make a statement like that. And John the Baptist did. So that's one of the things. We look at all this and you ask the question, how would Jesus answer something like that? And we have that right here in the scripture. And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And all of that, write this down, all of this has its roots in Isaiah 35, 2 through 6. So John asked a, a question that was rooted in Old Testament. Jesus answers with a passage that's rooted in the Old Testament. So they are talking to each other, and they're both referencing things in the Old Testament, and they both understand what the other is referencing. And so what Jesus is really saying here is, I am doing what I claimed I would do. I'm doing exactly what I promised. John you're in a tough situation, but this has to work on my timetable. And you know what? When we're caught between prison and a platter and we have to wait, that's a tough thing. It's a very tough thing. And that's what I want to talk about here is what do we do with this? One of the things I want to share with you is this, as we look at unpackaging this particular passage our personal situation does not dictate who Jesus is. I know we get into, this is just life. We get into all kinds of messes. I know for me, I've been in a lot of messes I didn't cause. I'm just caught between prison and a platter. I know I've also been in even more messages, messes that I have caused myself. And either way, my personal situation does not dictate who Jesus is. And that's one of the things that we have to remember this morning. Is that Jesus is who he said he is. Regardless of our circumstances in our own personal life. We just have to know that. Jesus is who he said he is. So our personal situation does not dictate who Jesus is. Another thing we can take from this passage is that John the Baptist asked, are you the one to come or should we look for somebody else? Uh, this, is, this is one of the things I like most about this passage. You know, when he asked that question, Jesus did not correct him because he knew what he was asking. 
He wasn't questioning who Jesus was. He was just questioning what's going on. And so that says to me, it's okay to ask Jesus questions. It's never okay to question who he is because Jesus is the supreme one. He is the one in charge. And for our own good, we need to always recognize that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. And our personal situation doesn't change who Jesus is. I've talked to a lot of people that because they've gone through a hard situation, they begin to think Jesus is somebody else. And it, that was our first point. Our personal situation does not dictate that. But he didn't correct him. Actually, he praised him. He praised him. Let's look what he said in Matthew 11, 7 through 11. As they went away, after John the Baptist asked this question, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning him. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? So John the Baptist wasn't wishy-washy. He was solid. And so he says to him, what did you go out to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing, clothing are in king's houses. What did, you, what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly. And we know when the Bible says something like truly, it's like a attention getter. I want, you to, I want you to hear this. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is at is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus has great things to say about John the Baptist. And this tells me that we can ask Jesus to help us unpackage the situation that we're in. We just can't question who he is. Understand who Jesus is and understand the authority that Jesus has and understanding who his life is the very thing that helps us to understand how to get through the problem we're facing. So we can question all we want our situation, and we can ask Jesus those questions. Just don't question who he is or lose faith in who he is, because that's how you'll get through your situation, and it's how you'll understand your situation. So some of the best words you can ever speak is, Jesus, I don't understand, followed by whatever situation you're in that you don't understand. When Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, this is, this is also good news for you guys. None of you in this room have been in the die is gain portion of this equation. Yeah, possible somebody could have been here, we had to make the choice to live as Christ or die as gain. But at this point, all of us in the room have made it through. We're all alive. We haven't had to follow that path. That's great. We should be ready for that. And, and understand that Jesus, who Jesus is, helps us to have that attitude and to believe that, to live as Christ and die as gain. And so when Paul said that, he is saying, no matter what my circumstances are, I am going to follow Jesus. And so that's an important thing. When we look at Galatians 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave gave himself up for me. That is saying, man, Jesus, you, you are the owner of me. No matter what my situation is, I'm listening. And I'm not going to question who you are. So it could be your finances, your spouse, your children, your job, your marriage, or your health that you're caught between prison and a platter. I don't know what your situation may be. I don't know what you're facing. And maybe you don't have one going on. Glory to God, you don't have one going on right now. But if you do, don't question who Jesus is. Just ask Jesus to help lead you through your situation. So when, Jesus, when he asked, are you the one to come, or should I look for another? He is not questioning who Jesus is. He just wants answers. Don't ever lose faith in Jesus. He will always, always be there. You know, if I was writing the Bible, I don't think I would put this verse in here because I'm, I'm like uh, John the Baptist. I, I would not put this verse in here. Where it is. Because we just dealt with John the Baptist, his whole story of him being caught between prison and a platter. John the Baptist speaks up for Jesus, does it scripturally, tells Herod Antipas that what he's doing unlawful correctly, and he ends up losing his head over it. So I don't, if I was writing, and like I say, I'm not John the Baptist, I'm not even, not even John the Baptist, I, I can't even carry the sandals that Jesus would wear. I mean, I'm nowhere near that. So I would not put these two verses together But when we have a Savior who is always looking out for us, he did. And I think there's a reason why he put that story and these verses together so that we can understand whatever situation we're in, he's there for us. So we have this story, John the Baptist having his head removed. And in Matthew 11, we get to the very end of the chapter, and it says this. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my joy upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my load is right. My load is light. And this is what I'm closing with this morning. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care how your situation is destined to end. Even if it's as serious and harsh as the one John the Baptist is in, you're always ahead following Jesus, listening to him, and staying with what you know scripturally and believing that Jesus is who he said he is. And don't let your situation wash you around. Or as the Bible says, toss you around like the sea. Stay firm. Follow. You are weary and heaven heavy, heavy laden. I will give you rest. And so I don't care what the situation is, how serious it is, what it involves. Jesus is there for you, and he will always be there for you.